But before you're seated, let me give you this quick three bars. It's a three bar. It's like a three, four, three, four timing. It's just three bars instead of four bars in normal traditional worship music. Matthew 26, verse 14 through 16. I promise you'll be lifted up by the end of this message, but in the beginning, if it feels like I'm talking to you, maybe it's God is talking to you. Okay? I don't like you said that to me. Well, I didn't say that to you. God is speaking. That's the idea. And so if something connects with you, that's a good thing. That's what we want. We want to stir up the soil because if it's full of rocks, it can't grow anything in the garden. So I want to give you this passage and, and don't, don't hate me by the end because I love y'all. That's why I'm giving you the word. Because I could, I could just tell you how good you are and we could just say how great we are. And if we never get better, what are we doing? Okay? Real love says, how can we do it better? We care about each other. We lift each other up. If you do a chastening from the Lord, just like he deals with sons, he chastens. I totally messed up that quote, but that's why I don't quote scripture. But you get what I'm saying. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For who's, what son does the father not chasten? That's what I was trying to say. Matthew 26, 14 through 16. Then one of the 12, called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him 30. Everybody say 30 pieces of silver. That's a lot of money. It's a lot, Jen. So from that time, he sought the opportunity to betray him. Y'all may, may be seated and just touch your neighbor. Don't touch him. Corona, just look at him. Say, what opportunity are you seeking? What opportunity are you seeking? Er Air elbow, Jen. Miss my girl right there. What opportunity are you seeking? Everybody knows who Judas is, right? Judas Iscariot. He doesn't have a particular positive vibe. When, when, you, when you say, what character do you want to be in Bible class? Nobody says, I want to be Judas. Nobody says that. It's because what the Bible says happened to Judas is pretty horrific. And and you know, like, there's a thing called dispensation. Let me just give you some context. The dispensation during the time of the apostles was different after the time that Christ rose again. Like, the, 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 the rules changed, so to speak. See, God did things along the way so that we could get to where we are, so that we could have the new covenant. And certain things just had to, had to be. So there's times where people did things that you don't understand. Well, why would they if they were with Jesus? But it was all according to God's plan and purpose and his will for humanity. So... But thinking about Judas, it's just like, you know, money, betrayal, backstabber. And I don't know about you all, but if I could go back and redo some things, I would. I would. I think we can all, can we all witness to that? I mean, that's just like, is there anybody in here that couldn't, that wouldn't change anything? And that's great. I just want to know what, how you're doing life because I need to do it too that way. The problem is once it's done, it's done. And if I let my mistakes often determine the direction of my future, and even when I hear about Jesus loving me, I can't seem to love me. I'm letting my mistakes guide my steps, and I won't forgive me even though Jesus said he'd forgive me. So my future is based on my past at that point. I'm letting my past, because of me, determine my future steps. So we put value in things, you know, 
in life, like everything has value. It's called priority. And what your priority is, is your, your value list in order is what that is. And the worth of something dependent, de determines the priority it gets in my schedule, in my day, and in my heart. What priorities are in your heart? I never meant to get my priorities out of order. I just went down the wrong path and it led me to trouble. My past troubles, though, are only as potent as my reluctance to correct them. If you don't want to correct anything, guess what? You're going to run into the same troubles. But they're only as potent and damaging for your future as your reluctance is to correct them. That's good. When Jesus died, he didn't continue to keep track of what you did or where you've been, but rather he came to show you where you were meant to go and how you were meant to live. He, meant to show you, he came to show you different. So are you fighting an opportunity to see value? Everybody say value in the necessities. Necessities are important. That feed your soul and sustain your well-being. Christ has offered us each a value proposition. Everybody say it. Value proposition on the cross. On the cross, he offered you something. A value proposition. A proposition is a choice. Do you want to take this? Or do you not? You have to agree to the deal. And it's, it's a perspective thing. Value is based on perspective. That's the problem, is what holds our perspective to what is valuable. Because what you see in this world that is valuable is where your priority and perspective will make number one. In that, in that moment, I just can't speak today. I think it's because I had only one cup of coffee, Vincent. I'm just, just tongue-tied today. But in that moment, Judas saw value in the immediate return. And he missed the eternal return. He wanted the immediate gratification. Oh, that sounds good. Let's do it, Krispy Kreme, 24 hours. No, devil. Vincent, you work the night shift. It's different. Listen, y'all, when I was living in Nashville... I was like so strict with my diet because I wanted to look good, man. And then they opened a Krispy Kreme right next to the White Castle. And bay, they were both open 24 hours. You know why that is, Nicole? Because nobody goes during the daytime. There's a reason. So anyway, so, so when Krispy Kreme launched, they had a spotlight, of course, going like this into the, into the, into the Nashville skyline. And so, so two, a morning, two, two in the morning comes, I'm laying in my bed, like with sugar withdrawals, no carbs, I'm starving myself to death, and I see out my window. <laughs> the spotlight. So, of course, I go get six glazed donuts and a 10-pack of cheeseburgers and a large Diet Coke, trying to be healthy, and some onion rings. And I'd eat myself sick, and then I'd go, why did I do that? I did it last time, and I remember how this felt. Why did I do it again? Do it again. No! That's not what the song is talking about. It's not talking about making yourself sick for the immediate because you're too, too impatient to wait for the real return, the real value. You can clap for that. It's okay. Because when you do, the other people want to also. It's good that we praise and give, give praise to the word because it just makes me feel okay, and I won't cry after the sermon. <laughs> I'm kidding, sort of. But in the moment, Judas was focused on the immediate return and missed the eternal return. He was thinking carnally. 
fleshly. Are you trying to get rich today or build wealth? You know there's a difference. There's a big difference between getting rich and building wealth. One lasts, one doesn't. You can get rich, but you can lose it all. What was it, McDuck? Scrooge? DuckTales? I think he has some, I mean, he, he figured it out. Now he's swimming through the, through the wealth and the coins. I always wondered how he did that because it looked like it hurt. So I thought, like, if I'm going to jump in some coins, it's probably going to break my little nine-year-old face. But I'm like, how did he do that? It's because he had it figured out, babe. He had it figured out about wealth, how to swim through his coins. Anyway, there is a difference. Wealth is long-term. Rich is overnight. Rich doesn't last. Wealth does. You know wealth is built around greater things than dollar bills, y'all? There's a difference. And your perspective will determine which one holds the highest value to you. The 30 pieces of silver or eternity or well-being or purpose or joy. Oh, man, you can have a lot of money and be miserable, just let me tell you. You know, some of the most successful CEOs and entrepreneurs and visionaries are lonely, miserable people. Now, I'm not hating on money because it can be a good thing. It is a good thing if you use it for the right reason, not let it become your idol, not let it take the place of the Lord. In fact, it can do good things to help you exalt the Lord in a practical way. But what I'm saying is, like, when it becomes your Lord, when it becomes your 30 pieces, it can destroy you. It can destroy you. It's a perspective thing, and it's easy to cave in on the quick return because it's nice looking, but it may lead to financial or spiritual trouble. Maybe, maybe our spiritual credit cards are maxed out today, you know? And, and we just keep extending that thing. Well, I got grace. Cha-ching. I got grace. Oh, y'all take the chip too? Oh, I'm going to go do that tonight. Cha-chip. I got grace. I got grace. Well, eventually there's a, there's a credit card limit. God says, are you of my tree or are you not? Are you of my branch or are you not? Go and sin no more. On and on and on. It's a perspective thing. Perspective will tell you that the short-term gain is valuable when really it could be crushing you like a nice new boat. Oh, here he goes again. Talking about boats. You know, here's the thing with boats. Who has a boat? Anybody like to be on boats? Anybody like to ride boats? Anybody know what a boat is? Okay, okay, tough audience. Just kidding. When you see the boat, you're like, oh, man, that would be so rad to have, dude. That would be awesome. And then, and then they go, and then they go uh, well, there's the survey fee. Make sure it's legit. And then there's the transport fee. Oh, then there's the Coast Guard fees. Oh, it's that big? Oh, there's a Coast Guard fee. Oh, then there's, the, then there's a sales tax. Oh, then you got to have a lift for that. Oh, then you got to have a cover for that. Oh, then you got to do maintenance on that. Oh, and the only person that does maintenance is like really a big ripoff because they have a monopoly in the market. So, so all these things come along with what looks so good at first. And so what goes from this joyous, exciting high in the moment, like 30 pieces, turns into a weight that makes me sick and has, you have anxiety over it. Has anybody ever had that light bulb go off? You like thought something would be so good and then you get it and it turned out to be just a dead weight to your life and it actually took the joy away instead of bringing it? Like, is it just me? Good. Again, I'll cry if I have to when I'm lonely that it was just me. 
It's a perspective thing. And the mission of the gospel, Bobby, is not to change our past. It's to change our perspective. Because the past is no longer here. But the idea is that we quit doing what we were doing in the past. So are we playing with God? Or are we really wanting to serve God? Are we playing? Or are we for real? That's what we, I come from Chesterfield. I say, are you for real? That's what I say. Rolling in my 240, listen to, well, we won't talk about that. Are you for real? God says, you step by step. Come on, Christine, you know it. It's perspective, and perspective will drive your future decisions. But the problem, again, is we're willing to trade God's promise for polished. We'll trade the roughness of the promise because that looks like work. I don't want to go today. It's like 65 out. It's cold. I don't want to go to church because it's not hot no more, and I might have to wear like a light jacket. It's too rough. I'd rather just have it polished online. I'd rather just sit in my jammies. Do I have baggage? I'm always, I'm always like knocking this. It's, it's not baggage. I just rather take it easy and just everything will be good. And we just woosaw in our house together. And everything's polished and perfect. I'll get the new car. I'll get the new thing. And I'll run up my debt to where they take it all away in two years, Larry. But people will think I'm good. People will think I'm living the life. Oh, hallelujah. Praying. Hashtag praying. Oh, let's all pray together. Hashtag praying. But how many are on your knees for real? I mean, can I just be a witness about this? There is nothing more deflating than watching a bunch of people say, hashtag praying, hey, 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 and then nobody's doing anything. Do we believe it? I mean, I'm talking to myself. I'm guilty of it. It's easy as a pastor to, 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 to say, I'll pray for you, and then forget. What am I doing? Am I, really, am I really taking on the burden of the world that Christ called me to do and get on my knees and pray for that person? You know? We are called to do that for real. For real. To do it together. So are we trading his promises for the quick and shiny polished thing? The thing. Whether it's a, a thing, and I'm not knocking things. I'm talking about when things are compromising what matters most. That's what I'm talking about. 30 pieces of silver is not bad. But when you're willing to kill the Christ over it, 30 pieces of silver is bad. It's not guns that are bad. It's what you do with them. You know? Like, come on, somebody, we have a free will to make decisions in our life. I can take ibuprofen out of hand. Just because I've had 30 surgeries doesn't mean I can't abuse some ibuprofen that I got at Walgreens. It's me. I made the choice. I made the choice. What do they call it? N NSID or something? What's that word? They yes. Oh, she's good. NSAID. I was just re I was reading. Don't take that. And I used to take them like I used to take them like Tic Tacs when I was younger. Daily ibuprofen. I saw I try to back off to only every four hours. Anyway, don't 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 laugh at that. No, I really don't take it anymore. But you see what I'm saying? We'll chase the the quick gratification. It's like a drive-through restaurant. We'll take it. We'll go through White Castle when there's an elaborate homemade wood fire grilled pizza place right down the street, Mike. That's foolishness. Come on, who has a developed palate in here for food? What if our palate was developed for God? What if we knew what the things of God tasted like that were so much bigger than the drive-thru churches we're used to and the drive-thru gospel we're used to and the watered-down, predictable, mechanical system that we're used to? What if we get back to the rawness of the natural cooked meat that God wants to put on your plate? That's good. I'm going to watch that back later. 
That's good, Jen. And it's true. It's good because it's true. That's why it's good. So we got to quit trading the polished for his, trading his promise away for the polished. So we know what Judas did. He sold out quickly. And the thing about God is he already knew what Judas would, he was talking about it while he was with them. It's going to happen, guys. You're going to sell me out. I know who's going to do it. Remember at the dinner? But even way back, I mean way back, God still knew. In Zechariah, way back, the prophet, Zechariah, way back, thousands, may I say, I don't know, a few hundred years, I don't know. Chapter 11, verse 12 through 13, he says, Then I said to them, this is Zechariah speaking as a prophet on the vo- as the voice of the Lord, speaking to the Israelites. Then I said to them, if it is agreeable to you, give me your wages, and if not, refrain. So they weighed out my wages, 30 pieces of silver. This sounds familiar. You mean God knows what's going to happen that much earlier than when it does? You mean he knows the plan for my life before I was born? And yours too, Vincent? And yours too, Nicole? And yours too, Allison? He knows every step we'll take. He's not, he's not yanking our feet, but he knows what we're going to choose. So he knew way back, the prophet Zechariah knew and forecasted. It says in 13, and the Lord said to me, throw it to the potter. The potter's house. That's funny, isn't it? Weird timing on that one. That princely price they set on me. So I took the 30 pieces of silver and threw them in the house of the Lord for the potter. That's not the only prophecy, Jan, about the Christ and his betrayal and the spear in his side and, and they pierced his side and to see if he was alive and they wouldn't break his legs. He was the only crucifixion that never broke his legs because you know if you want to break the legs, that's how they suffocate faster. If they don't die quick enough, you break their legs so as they go like this, they can't breathe, Bobby. That's how you end it quicker. But his legs shall not be broken. So they didn't break him. And the Roman soldiers shall pierce his side with a spear. And that happened. And he shall be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. And that happened. And on and on and on and on and on. God knows the end from the beginning. And God already knew our shortcomings from the beginning. But he didn't cut us off. There's good news. He may knew you were going to trip a bit. But there's good news because Christ has offered each one of us a value proposition on the cross. A value proposition on the cross. Like, I don't know about you, but I've been in this problem. And I've seen even the recourse with myself. And then it happens again. So we have to say to ourselves, how do we do it different? Really, I'm tired of the same gossip. I'm tired of the same hate from the same people who I thought loved me. I'm tired of the same thing. How do we do it different? How do we help them see it different? I know they don't receive God that they need prayer, and I want to pray for them because their baby's sick, so I'm going to pray for them anyway. And we're going to ask them, Nate, but we're going to pray either way because that's what we do because we know the power of God, and it's not about them. It's about God revealing to them. And so when they don't see it as a church, we want to help them see it. So we're going to pray even when somebody doesn't want us to. We can pray on our own. We can pray even when we're dumb. We can pray when our friend's being dumb and that we know God can touch them and God can fix it. And so we're going to pray. I'm not saying go lock them up and and pray over them and do the old, you know, know, and like slay them in the spirit. But I'm saying just get down on your knees somewhere and pray for them because it matters. And it means something. And most of all, if you say you're going to pray, let's do it. Let's do it as the church. Like if we're going to pray, let's pray. 
I mean, it is the Bible. Is that okay? We preach the Bible in here. We talk about the Bible. But we've all been there. We've all been there. And we can't let go because we can't move forward because we're living in our past. Anybody got smartphones? That's a really silly question. <laughs> More like, who on the earth does not have a smartphone that's over the two, two years old? She's three and she's got the latest S10 Bay. Isn't that messed up? My kids are waiting at least till they're seven before they get the S20. Not. They're never getting them. nothing. They're going to use a tin can and string till they're 30. They want to talk to me. If it's a real emergency, go yell for help. You don't need a smartphone. And you don't need no texting. Anyway, I don't want to digress because I do do that. But no, like everybody's got a camera, right? And, and you know, you got, you got this side, which is shooting to my thing here. And then you got, hey, 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 woo-hoo, selfie, selfie up there. Selfie. Everybody's got this, right? Like, look, I'm looking at myself like a mirror, you know? You know, actually, you know what? Anybody's got them on, just, just point your selfie this for a minute. Just get your phone out. And if you got a mirror, just point at yourself. Just look at yourself. Anyway, for real, just, just help me out here. This will do you good. You'll be thinking about this later in the week. You'll be like, I'm so glad I did a selfie at church. Now, just don't do the duck face, okay? That's not allowed. It's not allowed. But, see, I've seen Judas in the mirror. I've seen him face to face. I've seen his shortcomings. I've seen his faithfulness. I've seen his pain. I've seen his fear. I've seen his lying at times, his cheating, his gambling with the grace of the Lord's mercy on his life. I've seen everything Judas has done. Have you all seen Judas before? That's what he looks like. But just because I've seen Judas doesn't mean I can't serve Jesus. Just because I've been Judas, Bobby, doesn't mean I can't become a Peter or a John or a James. I want to get up in that transfiguration mountain. I don't want to be like the B-string apostles. I want to be in the top three. I want to go up the mountain with Jesus and see him for his glory when it shined on him and God spoke. I want to be that guy. So just because I was the worst of the worst, says Paul, who was Saul, says I can't be the best of the best in God's eyes now that he has changed my heart. So you've all been Judas? Yes, but we all can be Peter, or we all can be what God wants us to be. That's the difference in the value proposition of the new dispensation that happened after the resurrection and the dispensation Judas was in, that it would be that the prophecy shall be fulfilled. He cannot have what we have. We've got something Judas didn't have access to because it's a different time. A value proposition. A value proposition. If y'all could stand with me, I want to tell you something really cool here. I may have misvalued my priorities, but God cross-valued my mistakes. He cross-valued. He price-matched. He price-matched. You know, God's so good, he gives you more than you set out for. Bishop Jake said the coolest thing. He said, if, if, 
if you don't expect anything less than something that will blow your mind from God, your faith isn't strong enough. He says, if doing it, doing it of yourself without the help of others, he says, your dream's not big enough. That's a good word right there. And I believe it, but it was, it was just so poetic the way he said it. You see, God will price match the 30 and multiply it seven times 70 because he knows what real value is, and that's chump change to the Lord. So even though you took the 30, God says, I got seven times 70 for you. Remember, Paul says in Romans, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy. Because of his mercy and because of his grace, he says, I don't care that you took the 30, but when you come to my throne, I'm going to multiply the 30 into more than you can even count. Like the stars to Abraham, more people and descendants and blessing than you can count. I'm going to give you the promised land, he told Abraham. I'm just going on and on here. He will multiply it like the descendants, like the stars. Your descendants like the stars. He will price match you and then some. Because you were cross-valued cross-valued when I recognize that God would redeem me that brought me to my knees I mean I've heard the good news but until you understand that you need a savior that you cannot be qualified of yourself you cannot be corrected by yourself. You have to have the washing of the blood because you were born into this world of sin by nature. You have to be cross-valued to live forever in his kingdom. When my hands became free, I lifted them up because I recognized the shackles were broken and I'm finally free indeed. Christ has offered all of us a value proposition. And though I was Judas, I'm now going to become Peter, James, John. My past led me to trouble, but now Jesus, Mike, leads me besides the still waters. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall inherit the kingdom. Blessed. I'm cross-valued in Jesus Christ. I misvalued my priorities, but thank God I'm cross-valued in Jesus Christ. Let's pray in the name of the Lord. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now in the mighty name of Jesus, the only name that can rectify my lost past that can make me new into a state that you'll never remember because I will bury I will be buried with you through baptism and I'll be raised to life through the infilling of your spirit as you did in Acts 2 you're still raising some people from the dead come on somebody the spirit still moves the spirit's still alive and God wants to resurrect you today so God we ask that we don't forget the root of your gospel the authenticity of your word that this is not a game and this is not a show and then if we lose the mission we lose the purpose we lose your will God help us make a change from yesterday Lord help us not go back to that same old dirty thing that dumb thing that we know better so now we're gonna do it for real I'm gonna go all in for real I'm tired of playing games with you Lord I've got no other way but to get on my knees so God I give you all the praise and all the glory and if the house of God could say in Jesus name amen